0: Let's Talk HR is a place for HR professionals, business owners, and employees to come together and share experiences, talk about what's working and what's not, how we can improve best practices so that companies can better attract, train, and retain all generations of workers. We all know that there has been a huge shift in what people want. Generations are coming together more than ever on what's important. Mental health has been brought to the forefront of everyone's mind let's humanize these conversations. Let's talk about how the economy has been impacted and what needs to happen to find a balance. I'm your host, Leon Lovely. So let's get this conversation started. And remember, if you enjoyed this episode, follow us, like us, and share us. Today is going to be a great conversation with Ann Jacoby. She is on a mission to cultivate creativity at work. As the founder and CEO of Spring Street, a workplace culture consultancy, she partners with leading organizations to build more connected, innovative, and inclusive cultures. Anne was previously the head of learning development and culture at a global consulting firm and has over 15 years of operational experience building and leading teams. She has her MBA from NYU's Stern School of Business, And was a professional singer actor and dancer prior to starting her corporate life i'm very excited to have this great conversation with a very brilliant woman Anne, thank you so much for joining me today i'm really excited
1: to have this conversation thank you for having me leanne this is going to be fun
0: yes so why don't you start out by telling me a little bit about yourself
1: sure Well, I like to say that I am on a mission to cultivate creativity at work, something I'm very passionate about. Uh, I have an unconventional background, so I started my career as a professional singer, actor, dancer, and then I made a pivot to business, got my MBA, and scaled a company from seven people to thousands around the globe and kind of rode that rocket ship for a while, really on the business side. And then landed on the people side because I was so passionate about seeing people develop and tap into their learning and their potential. So uh, that's really what, have been, what I've been focused on for the past five years or so.
0: Okay, so let's back up. You started with, <laughs> say that again, acting. And how, did, how do you start in that <laughs> and then end up where you are?
1: You know, it's a great question. Um, and I'm sure we'll talk a lot about how creativity influences the work that I do now. but you know, I was always passionate about storytelling and performing and I love to sing. So I was doing it, you know, ever since I was very small, um, just a little kid and um, thought I would make a career of it. I really thought this is it, you know, I'm going to be a performer for my whole life and found myself in New York in the early 2000s and like many who were there during 9-11, I think reevaluated my my choices and where I wanted my life to go and just thought, gosh, I really want something more stable. And for me, it shows how naive I was at the time, but I thought that meant business and joining a startup, which we all know that startups are not very stable, but at the time that felt like a stable choice between performing or or being in business.
0: Mm-hmm. Wow. Um, Being in New York during that time, um, rough, first of all, but to pivot from, wow, okay, so to take, and 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 don't get me wrong, any career that you have, there's always some type of business aspect of that, right? You have to market yourself in one way or another in order to continue to be able to do what you love to do. I'm assuming that you had to go out there and, and market yourself to get jobs, right?
1: Yes and no. I'm a big believer in saying yes as opportunities present themselves. And the way that I ultimately found my job at this startup, I was waiting tables and had a really good conversation with someone who happened to be a recruiter. And she thought, I just got to get you out of this restaurant. You've got to be doing something better than this. And I was you know, babysitting and waiting tables and doing shows and performing, you know, I had a million different jobs as you do in New York City in your early 20s. Um, And, and so I just said yes. And I gave it a shot. And I found myself at this startup and uh, kind of the rest is history. Um, You know, just really found that building a business is ultimately extremely creative. Mm -hmm. So all of that work that I had been doing to cultivate storytelling, to cultivate connecting with an audience, or collaborating with other actors or performers on stage. All of those skills apply in the business world. So it's really just about making that leap and transferring a lot of that, those capabilities into a different environment. Right.
0: Well, awesome. Okay, so you are the founder and CEO of Spring Street, as well as advisors to Dangerous Ventures and Twine that right did i say yeah. that right yeah okay. yeah absolutely so you got to tell me first spring street but advisors to dangerous venture that's very interesting so y- yeah. you got to tell me tell me a little bit about you know <laughs> what each you know each different i guess discipline is for you know as an advisor and also as a founder and ceo
1: yeah well you know most of what i do is in the service of helping companies to grow to build cultures that they're really proud of uh, to achieve their business objectives in any way, shape, or form. So uh, whether that's me being in an advisory role, helping a company to scale, um, you know, Dangerous Ventures is an early stage venture firm. And their principle is really around cultivating entrepreneurs from underrepresented backgrounds. So, um, you know, we have a whole bunch of people who could be successful entrepreneurs if they have the right support and skills and uh, infrastructure to, to guide them through that process. So I'm really passionate about that kind of work. Um, but my, my clients with Spring Street really range from early stage hyper growth organizations that are really starting to put shape to their organizational culture, all the way to Fortune 100 organizations that are very focused on programmatically transforming their cultures to be more innovative or connected or inclusive. Yeah.
0: So obviously there's, there's gotta be, well, and maybe there's not, so I shouldn't say obviously let's, let's back up. So working with a, you know, fortune 100 company versus a small, very small company has got to have a, a different approach. I'm assuming. So how do you start when you you know you meet a client and they said, we, we really want to focus on the, the culture at this company. We really want to figure out, you know how to do this. You know, how do you go in and, and start with with an organization?
1: Yeah. Um, I'll, I'll give a couple examples. So for the earlier stage companies, a lot of what we do is think about, okay, what are our values? What do we want to celebrate? What behaviors do we, Uh, really want to bring out in our people and reinforce positively. So being really crisp and clear about what those organizational values are and defining how we're going to bring them to life throughout the employee life cycle is a lot of the work that I do around um, building that culture, really building those behavioral norms so that people are really clear, hey, I'm joining this company. This is what I can expect. And there are lots of ways to reinforce that. On the other end of the spectrum, companies that have more established cultures can feel like, huh, there are pockets where we, we know that we need to change. Um, maybe we want to build more inclusive practices across the organization. How are we going to do that? And so that really takes uh, a different approach that might be you know, developing a specific program. It might be designing a particular workshop. Um, so there are different ways to address uh, an organization of that stage. Uh, probably those values have been defined, but maybe we need work refining how we're going to reinforce the right kind of behaviors.
0: Interesting. Do you find one more difficult than, than the other?
1: <laughs> Both are rewarding. It's a it's a very different approach, I'd say, um, with each of my clients because every company is at a different stage. Um and ideally, they have unique cultures that they really want to feel differentiated to the employee. Mm-hmm. And so, I I try to pride myself on on offering bespoke solutions that are extremely tailored to that particular organization.
0: Right. So here's the question that I always, um, you know, it's one thing to go and you you talk to the upper management, you you talk to you know owners or CEOs or HR people and somebody who's wants to be the driver of that change. Right. And they have all of these great ideas of here's what we want. Here's what we want to you know do. Here's the, the things that we want to lay out. But how do you, um, how do you teach, or maybe it's not teaching, how do you get employee buy-in or how do you teach them to get employee buy-in?
1: Hmm. Yeah, that's a wonderful question. And so on point, I think, a lot of it is about good listening and finding multiple ways to listen. And what I mean by that is you you mentioned the word Um, buy-in. Buy-in can be achieved by understanding what really matters to certain employee populations. And that can be achieved in listening surveys. It can be achieved in listening tours where you have um, you know, small groups of people coming together to to share their thoughts. Um, it might be achieved in anonymous forums. Um, you know, organizations like like All Voices, where people can, you know, share or or um, you know, offer their concerns in a channel where it's not going to be attributed to them. So I think having a multi pronged approach is really important. Mm-hmm. But that that key aspect of listening can't be stated. Strongly enough, um, you know. To your point, Leanne, I think leaders get really energized and excited about a particular initiative, but without really hearing directly from the employees, it's it's hard to create that stickiness.
0: Mm-hmm. Right. It's it's every time I go to like a, you know, a retreat or a, you know some seminar or something, and I and I hear about all these great ideas, and I walk out of that room going, okay, I'm going to implement this, and then a week later, I've forgotten that feeling that I had when I was there. Uh-huh. And I haven't implemented anything, and nothing changes. And I'm like, wait a second, why did I go there if I'm not going to make any changes? And I mm-hmm. and I and I talk to individuals like you, the 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 ones that go in um, and, and meet with the people who want to make those changes, who want to make it happen. And I feel mm-hmm. like right now, in the world that we're living in, so many companies know that it's necessary. Know that in order to, you know, be what they need to be, um, they are trying to make these changes, but often they um, fall short when when holding themselves accountable or actually making these changes happen long term. Mm.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it makes me think of of a, a really effective coach where yes, you could probably share a lot of wisdom and you know ideas, but ultimately a really great coach allows the coachee to discover their own solutions and that's what really helps move things forward. I think the same applies in this situation where you know the leader may have a ton of great ideas, but unless they're really born from, you know, the grassroots efforts, the um, the folks who can really carry the culture forward uh, you lose that connective tissue you lose that energy that you were talking about Leanne right. you know that's yes I'm going to go do this yeah um, need to harness that from the very people who have the capacity to to carry it forward and to implement it
0: so you go in and you create do you create a like a a plan you create a step-by-step or do you, how do you, how do you lay this out for the company?
1: Yeah. So again, it takes a lot of different shapes, right? Right. But it it, starts start with an assessment where we're really getting to know, okay, where are the pockets of opportunities to change and evolve our culture? Where are those? Let's identify them. Let's rank order them and prioritize them. Uh, And that's uh, more of a strategic process. You know, there's um, those stakeholder interviews that I was talking about. Mm -hmm. It might gathering the data um, and then ultimately deciding, okay, we're going to pick these three things to focus on. This is what's achievable and let's go do that. So that might be one, one phase of the project. Um, Another might be uh, putting together workshops around skill development. So, you know, I talked a lot about my passion for creativity at work, but there are lots of different, I'll call them power skills that organizations today are really focused on around, Building resilience, adaptability—you um, know, change readiness—those are skills that really do take practice. And so, I I often put together really fun, interactive experiences where people can try out those skills in a safe space before they have to to do that in the real world, so to speak. So, a lot of it is program design and and developing skills. Excellent.
0: And you know what? I love that you said you put together achievable you know, an achievable, and, and often we, again, you know, I have, and I, I only can, you know, look at myself of, you know, what I'm, but I always have, you know, this idea of like, oh, I'm going to accomplish this, I'm going to go walk two miles, and then, you know, after a half a mile, I'm like, oh, oh my god, I really need to sit down, and I'm like, maybe I should make my, my goals achievable, um, and I, I think that many of us, you know, it's just, just like the, you know, my eyes are bigger than my stomach kind of mentality of, let's not bite off more than we can chew kind of thing. So I like that, oh, you know, you, yeah. the first thing you do is achievable goals. Yeah. And that's awesome. So um, I, I, I want to move to something else that, um, you know, that you're, you're doing right now. You are not only, you know, obviously the founder, CEO, you, you get your hands dirty, you're doing all of this work, but you are also a key, keynote, keynote oh, speaker. My goodness gracious. A keynote speaker and you were also busy writing a book. <laughs> Let me I now I gotta know what what is what is the book? What are we writing about? Are, can I ask that or is that
1: is, am I not allowed to? <laughs> it's not top secret. No. Oh, uh, I, you'll be my accountability partner, Leanne. Okay. Um, so, yes, the book is in development. Uh it is about creativity at work, but specifically around what sparks our individual creativity. So how do we personally ignite and reinforce our own individ- our own creativity. It's also focused on creative leadership skills. So how do we bring creativity out in others? And then finally, how do we address it organizationally? So how do we build that culture of creativity so that ideally our company can innovate? And most companies that I serve, at least, want to innovate in some way.
0: That's awesome. I can't yeah. wait. So do you have, a, do you, have you said, set- a deadline for yourself as to when you're hoping to uh, you know publish or
1: yeah my hope is 2023 so I'll circle back to you when the book is uh, about to be released (laughs) part two of the conversation
0: (laughs) perfect I want to know I want to (laughs) know so now tell me a little bit more about your your speaking you know do you is this something that you do at certain times are you you know readily looking for speaking engagements. Tell me a little bit more about that.
1: Yeah, um, I've done it a fair amount within corporations and then also in the academic setting. So um, either executive MBAs or entrepreneurial programs, um, I speak a lot uh, to help students understand the skill of creativity and, and what that means, especially when you're building a business, Mm -hmm. things like adaptability or being open to perspective taking, or, uh, you know, there's so many things that accompany creativity. And it really is like any other kind of skill or muscle to develop. It's something that can be practiced. I think, you know, a lot of times you think of Elizabeth Gilbert and big magic and, um, you know this elusive creativity as if you're going to get struck by lightning. Oh, yes, I'm creative today, but really, it's like anything else where if you dedicate the time to it, uh, you set certain conditions, certain parameters, certain creative constraints. You really can help train your brain to enter that space of creativity. So that's a lot of of what I try to coach uh, both my clients and then also students to discover.
0: And and that's it's. So true. You have to work that muscle. You know, I remember in high school, I, I look back, perfect example. I look back to my drawings in high school. I, I love to draw. I love to do artwork. Um, we're sitting uh-huh. in a room where I have, you know, some artwork drawings, you know, in, in the background. Um, my podcast slash art room with my daughter, <laughs> which we talked about just a second ago. Um, and I look at the drawings that I did when I was in high school because I was in advanced art classes. I loved all of that stuff. Um, And they are so much better from when I was in high school than they are now. Because Ah. in high school, I was constantly in art class. I was learning new things. I was practicing constantly, working that muscle, right? Mm. Working that creative side. Of And now, as an adult, I don't have time to just sit down and draw. I don't have time to just sit down and can I still do it? Yes. If I look at a picture, I can usually, you know, replicate it. You know, it's one of those. But... If you apply that to anything that you do, if you acri- apply that to creativity in in your work, yeah. dealing with people, coming up with creative solutions on how to, you know, manage people, all of that kind of stuff. If you don't do it every single day, well, you're going to struggle on how to do it, right? Yeah, so I I com- that completely resonates with me when you said that. But you don't, I guess, the normal person, unless you remind them of that, won't think of that as something that you have to practice.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly.
0: I think a lot of people think of it as, well, you either have it or you don't.
1: Yes, and I love that you said that because there is that, um, you know, just misunderstanding, I think, about creativity in general, or they leap to, oh gosh, I'm just not a talented artist, or I can't sing, or, you know, it's actually creative thinking is something we're all capable of doing. And you and I are both moms, you know, we see, you know, in our children, how innately creative they are, and they're making new connections and putting together, you know, new inputs constantly. That's how they learn. That's how they make sense of the world. And I think we need to also go back to those fundamentals of, gosh, you know, let me see things in a different light and, and look at things from a new angle. And that's creative thinking.
0: Absolutely. And you say, you you know, you're a mom too. There's times where um, my daughter and I will sit down and we do these, we just dump paint on a canvas and then slow it, it, you know, and it doesn't mix, but like, and I realized that she actually just she'll pick out the colors she likes not the colors she thinks that will look good together. And me, I am a logic thinker. I think, oh, these colors will look good together. But then mine turns out looking just really blah. (laughs) Because they're just, they're too much alike, right? It just turns out looking very much like, oh, very, hers turns out looking like crazy cool because they're not colors that necessarily go together. Yeah. It just it's really bold and really out there. And you're just like, wow, that I'm like, how is she better at this? But she's better at it because she chooses not based on what she thinks, you know, she should. It's based on purely what I like right this second versus. And that I think that really is more becomes more creative when you're dealing with certain things. Yeah. And and that I, I again I, I'm trying to get to a point here. <laughs> but the you know, children children I think naturally, because they're still learning, they do yeah. have that and I think as adults, we try to analyze and create logic in everything. And that mm-hmm. takes away some of the creativity that we have.
1: And also your daughter's fearless, right? Uh, She's yeah. not she doesn't yet have the judgment, the self-judgment that we all have. And think about how what you just shared, Leanne, applies to the business world. Mm-hmm. You know, that let's take a risk. Let's try something new because we like it, you know, because we, we believe in it. I mean, how often do we, you know, we judge ourselves and we try to, you know, overanalyze things where if you just try and experiment and yes, you need to gather the data and, and see how the customers react, absolutely. But I think it's that that bold quality that you just described that is often missing in the workplace because we put so much pressure around. Oh, this we have to get this perfect, and this has to be just right, and it has to go together. (laughs) Exactly what you just said.
0: (laughs) Right. Exactly. We we overanalyze. You know, we also grow into being more risk adverse because of experience. Whereas, and it's hard to let go of that. But yeah. when you allow the creative side to come out, and you and you realize that, hey, if I make a mistake and I fall, it it's not the end of the world, um, and I think that a lot of adults are like, well, no, but I don't want anybody to see, right? I don't want anybody to to notice that I might make a mistake,
1: but that, yeah, you know, yeah, and what you just said right there, that is a creativity culture, is the safety to know that if you do fail. Okay, you learn from it, you move on, but that needs to be supported, kind of top down. <laughs> Otherwise, maybe it is the end of the world if you make a mistake if you're in the wrong culture. So I think um, really fair point, and and hopefully speaks to the kind of work that I do.
0: That's awesome. Yeah. Okay. So now here here here's the the hard question, right? Um, what if you're working with a bunch of accountants?
1: Ah. <laughs> no. <I'm> just... <laughs>
0: No, and I asked, my best friend is an accountant, and she's she she analyzes absolutely everything. And I'm just like, you sometimes, you're wound so tight. <laughs> you need the creative <laughs> side to come out a little bit. And I remember she asked me one day, she, can I come over and we can just paint? And I remembered her sitting there, and she's painting, and she's like, I, I just can you just paint it for me? And I'm like, no. Like, she's so, oh, okay tangent I know no,
1: like I it, it love is- that though. I'm so glad that you mentioned that because I I do work with a lot of accountants and um, you know and and lawyers in particular I mean folks who may not self- fighting with gap <laughs> but you might be rethinking how this workflow happens or you know are there better ways of of approaching this process and I think that takes the creative thinking that that I aim to inspire and strengthen people
0: and I See, and you just threw something in there that I didn't think about because it's not just about pretty rainbows and paints and it's creativity comes into so many different things. Yeah. And, and I was just having a, a meeting today with my, um, my, my two partners. And my, again, my, you know, I'm in staffing, my two recruiters, and we were talking about workflow. And I'm like, okay, how can we be creative to make sure that this workflow is working properly because it's not right now? <laughs> As, you know, so just sitting down and being able to come up with a creative idea on how to make it easier. And so it, I guess creativity comes into pretty much everything we do. If you and you would think that it would be it, it would be much more fun if we try to take the logic side out of it and be like, let's be creative about this instead of logical. My brain, my brain will hurt less.
1: Right. Right. <laughs> maybe it'll be more fun who knows yes. that'll be a good byproduct
0: <laughs> so I want to go back to the beginning now um, you okay so at, and you kind of talked a little bit about how you you know you decided that you needed to change you you know you experienced obviously with with the world a traumatic event and you decided that you know at that point you wanted to change you thought that business going into more of the business side so what did that look like i mean for you personally when you went from being a actor singer actress singer Uh all of that what did i mean that had to have been a completely different kind of lifestyle i would assume
1: Yeah, it certainly was a transition and I'm glad you mentioned traumatic event because I feel like we've all just gone through a traumatic event, you know, with the pandemic and um you know all the the things that folks are challenged by today in today's world, um you know, this skill of reinvention and you see it with the great resignation or um the great the great reinvention. I know there are lots of terms being floated around, but People are wanting different things from their work experience, and so I, I want to just note that you know in the, in 2001 and today similar things are going on in terms of, gosh, what else can I do with my life, or what should I be doing with my life? These are, are catalysts, I think, to have these thoughtful moments. Um, but for me personally, um, it was a lot of embracing being out of my comfort zone and that is a skill as as a trained actor that you're kind of trained to seek out right you're trained to be in, in these uncomfortable situations where you're in front of hundreds if not thousands of people and you kind of need to to bring bring your A game you know so that kind of getting out of your comfort zone um, lots of learning, lots of listening, learn it's almost like learning a new language. Um, and especially since I was thrown into an industry that was highly technical in the legal field, it was speaking the legal language as well, working with a lot of lawyers and attorneys. So um yeah, it was it was an incredible experience. And I call it highly creative because we were given that freedom to experiment, to um to try new things and see what works. We were creating this new category of firm and it was, it was disruptive. It, there was a lot of reinvention happening in the legal industry at the time. And so that kind of primed the pump for me to then, oh gosh, if I had such an incredible experience building this, I wanna help other organizations go through this change as well and help them get good at it.
0: Well, that's amazing.
1: Yeah, it was fun.
0: Right. Yeah. Wow. So, so from there, you, uh, you know, you've now been, you know, running your own business. You've now experienced another traumatic event in, with the pandemic. Yeah. I would assume that because of that business has shifted dramatically for, especially for what you do. Um, companies are screaming you know hey help me well the smart ones yeah I should say because in today's environment it's an absolute necessity in order to you know retain people that you need to start offering a happy healthy environment yeah, um, we see it across the board of individuals. I, I being in you know staffing, I, you know help people find jobs. And the number one yep. thing that you know individuals talk about now is, well, I want to. Fa- I'm looking for a new job because the culture of the company that I'm in is mm. one that is unhealthy, or it's volatile, or it's just not, you know, conducive to family life or work life balance.
1: Yeah. So
0: how has that shifted for you over the last two, three, geez, has it almost been three
1: years? I know. Time flies and you're having fun. Right.
0: Or when you're (laughs) drinking heavily because of the, no, sorry.
1: (laughs) No, I, I, uh, I'm so, I'm so appreciative of the question. Uh, when I launched spring street, I, had imagined I would be doing in-person workshops and that it would all be, let's get in a room, let's figure this out, let's get creative, here are some creative exercises to start to develop these skills. Obviously, that was thrown out the window. So on day one, I had to reinvent the business model. And actually, I think because all the points that you just mentioned, Leanne, people are craving for support around culture initiatives and how to think about Are we remote first? Are we hybrid? Are we in office? What does that look like? What's our employee value proposition? Uh, What are the cultural tenets of our organization and how do we broadcast those for new employees, for current employees? What is this employee experience like? And so, yes, I think we have dialed up the importance of this Mm -hmm. kind of across the workforce. And so, you know, whether it's me or someone else, having a partner to help objectively assess this is the stuff that you're doing really well. And this is the stuff where we have room to grow. Let me help you with that. Gosh, people are craving it. So it's been a very busy time.
0: And are you work, do you work um, remotely with organizations then?
1: Primarily I do. Um, A lot of my company's clients are global. And so their team members are distributed um, they don't necessarily work in office or if they do, it's a hybrid culture. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I am starting to see a lot more calls for in-person retreats and, uh, you know, let's get together in a room, which I think is a great thing. Um, so don't get me wrong. I, I love the chemistry and the connections that are formed when you get everyone in a room, but I also have clients with whom I work extremely closely and I've never met them in person. Uh, you know, it's, it's really incredible, especially with video conferencing, what you can achieve in a distributed way. Mm-hmm. Right.
0: Oh, even in my business, I mean, there's. I've been working with some of my clients for, and I've never met them in person. I've seen them a hundred times on a Teams or a Zoom meeting, and I'm just like, we should do lunch sometime. <laughs> like, I mean, not like at separate desks, like at an actual restaurant. <laughs> yeah
1: exactly exactly
0: but the 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 virtual world has definitely shifted um, shifted the way that we do business um, and the ability to do business on a global level for a lot of individuals but that need and that desire to be together um, still still definitely is um, exists and wins out when it comes to, um truly understanding others and and when I'm let me kind of back up and say um ultimately when it comes to creating at companies that true culture um and I'm not I'm not against remote working I'm not against you know hybrid remote hybrid hybrid working but in order for those individuals to you know actually get to know each other and spend time together there needs to be at some point or another a gathering of those employees, right?
1: Yeah, I think I think it helps for sure. Um, I think there can be an over, maybe not over, let me rephrase. I think sometimes people jump to the conclusion that if their culture is suffering, it must be because we're not all together. And my belief is, you can have a highly engaged committed great chemistry working team completely distributed. I think that is possible. It takes different kind of effort. It takes um a consciousness and an awareness and intentionality to build that kind of culture. And I also think there's a belief that oh if we just bring every everyone back, everyone's going to be engaged. And I don't think that's true either. You know, I think disengagement can happen wherever you are (laughs) so you want to be focused on the engagement levels
0: and and i right i completely agree with that if i i mean i i have one employee that's 100% remote she's out of california um and she is the one of the most engaged um employees i mean i talk to her constantly all day long on on via teams i mean because of the technology that exists you can literally feel like you're sitting next to somebody um with being able to just pull them up on your screen and be like hey can you do this for me oh did you you need anything for me hey can I mean it's it's pretty it's the technology is is beautiful um but it is also awesome to be able to have those uh, you know occasional
1: get-togethers
0: and you know how you doing kind of situations so
1: Nothing like sharing a meal with someone. I totally agree. Yeah. It's there's a different level of bonding and that's a chemical thing. You know, that's um, as humans, that's um, I think there is something special that happens when we're, we're in, in co- good company. <laughs> Just it's different. It's a different experience. It will be interesting to track and I'm no expert on this, but uh, with virtual reality becoming more prevalent, it'll be interesting to see what's possible in terms of almost replicating that kind of feeling and that experience as the technology continues to advance
0: it's it's amazing but it's also really scary <laughs> have you have you ever worn those virtual reality goggles yeah like I mean there's been times where I, I, I've worn them and I'm like oh, I, I think my husband got he got a pair of those for for Christmas from work or something and he brought them home and the only thing that was like preloaded on them was like some horror scenes or something. And I'm like, okay, I'll watch it. It was like falling off a cliff. And I, I think I fell down. I'm like, oh my God. Like these things are insane. Like it's, it, they're scary. And, but I can understand, you know, wearing those and feeling like you're sitting at a conference table with all your coworkers. I, yeah. I mean, I guess it's it's awesome but it's kind of (laughs) creepy at the same time it's the technology is 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 amazing it's amazing when it works but just imagine how frustrating it is when you're like oh i gotta go to a meeting you put your goggles on you're like oh they're not working okay guys 20 minutes later you're like okay we finally got it we only have five minutes for the meeting okay anyways All right. So the question of the season, I'm going to move to this. Um, I think you had a preview of that. Um, So, but I'm going to ask. So if you could go back to your younger self and give yourself advice, when would you go back and what advice would you give
1: yourself? Such a good question. I would give myself lots of advice.
0: Uh (laughs) (laughs) Oh, me too. This is why I never answer my own question.
1: Um, truthfully though, I can't pinpoint one particular moment in time. So I guess that's a little bit of a cheat, but I would say to myself, be open to possibilities because a lot of times I was wired a certain way where I would get laser focused on a goal, a particular outcome and stay really fixed to that outcome so much so that I probably missed some other good stuff happening on the side. (laughs) And I think, I hope that I can translate this to my kids as they grow and are met with challenges. And I think challenges make us who we are. I think challenges are great. Those are learning opportunities, but I would coach myself to be more open to different outcomes and to see the good in them. Yeah, Yeah.
0: I I am, so it's funny when you, I am one of those people, my husband, it drives him crazy. Um, you know, problem. And then there's me like immediate, like solve, 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 solve. And he's just like, you don't have to do that right this second. And I'm like, no, I have to, I have to. And he, I've gotten better at it. Yeah. But I am one of those, you know, I'm like a, I'm like a cat with a mouse. I can't, I can't leave it alone until the thing stops yeah. running. Right. It's hyper-focused. And I think I've, the older I've gotten, the more relaxed I've gotten with but there's definitely something, you know, add to the list of advice I would give myself. You know, my list is probably yeah. about 300 things right now. <laughs> Be like, go back to me or hey, just chill out. Take a chill pill. Relax. Um, yeah. Yeah. There's definitely. That would probably go on my on my list. That's a mile and a half long. Every time somebody says something, I'm like, oh, yeah, I probably should give myself that advice too.
1: <laughs> right.
0: Yeah. But that that's definitely a good one. Definitely a good one. So we are, we are coming to time. If someone is interested in reaching out to you, how would they go about contacting you?
1: Yeah. Well, certainly feel free to check out my website, uh, springstreetco.com or annjacoby.com. You can reach out to me there. I'm on LinkedIn, and I'm also on Instagram at annjacobi.author. So any of those platforms, I'd love to hear from you.
0: Excellent. And you're going to be having a book coming out sometime in 2023, so people should be looking out for that as well. But this has been such an amazing conversation. I really appreciate your time today. It's been really fun.
1: It's been fun for me too, Leanne. Thanks for having me on your show. Yes.
0: Thank you again for listening to Let's Talk HR. I appreciate your time and support. Without you, the audience, this would not be possible. So don't forget that if you enjoyed this episode, to follow us, like us, or share us. Have a wonderful day.